This is the Direct Booking Success Podcast, bringing you the information you need to increase your direct bookings. I'm your host, Jen Boyles. As an owner and manager myself, I know how hard it can be to navigate the short-term rental industry. I'm here to help so you too can have direct booking success. Hello and welcome to the Direct Booking Success Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Boyles, and I'm so glad that you are here. Last September, I hosted the second Direct Booking Success Summit. It was three days of free online learning from the top experts in our short-term rental field. This episode you're about to hear is from a conversation that I had with three of our great speakers at a special live session dedicated to hospitality. I found what they said so inspiring that I thought I would share the conversation with you. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the hospitality Q&A live session with some of our wonderful speakers. Today, we have Di Hamill, we have Bob Garner, and Tyan Marsink-Hammond. And they are all joining us. Tyan's even gotten out of bed early to join us, but not too bad. Six o'clock. I've done that on the West Coast, so not too bad, too bad. So for anyone who has been under a rock this week and and maybe doesn't know who you are, can we maybe start with a little bit of an introduction? Di, why don't you go first? Hello, I'm Di. I live around about York, Yorkshire, and I run Wild Harvest TPs and Activities. We've been in business for 17 years and we specialize in group exclusive TP site hire with both on activities. Great. And Bob? Yeah, I'm Bob Garner, suffering with a, a sore throat from all my talking, uh, at least recently, so bear with me. I run Casal di Fichi, sustainable holiday departments in Le Marche, Italy. I'm also the founder of Green VR Events, trying to get our events to be greener and more sustainable. And I'm just launching Enviro Rental, which is going to be the home for everything to do with sustainability and vacation rentals. Yes, that's really exciting, isn't it? Um, Tayan, how about you? Good morning. I'm Tayan Marcin-Hammond with Touch Day Digital Guidebook. I am in Missouri in the United States, where I also run two boutique property management companies, one at Table Rock Lake and the other in Missouri Wine Country. Brilliant. It is so lovely to have you with us today. So I wanted to ask, first off, what does the word hospitality actually mean to you? Hospitality, I think kind of opening your doors, opening your life and welcoming people in and sharing space. And yeah, just kind of sharing space really and being being guest orientated. You know, we always try and over deliver because it's their experience that matters. You know, I think to be a host, you can't kind of nitpick. You can't, you just got to be quite easygoing. You've got to enjoy it so they enjoy it. And Bob, what about you and hospitality? What does that sort of word mean to you? Uh, to me, hospitality is meeting the guests with a big heart and taking on board everything that they need, they want, and, and hopingly, hoping that you can deliver it. I mean, for me, when we host guests, It's genuinely the fun part of what we do because we work, we're on site. So we see our guests every day. We interact with them every day. And that's the most interesting thing that that we do when we're working in our business. So finding out about them, helping, really, really helping them have a great stay, which is not just, you know, asking them a few questions, but really trying to get to know them and what they're looking for and really going out of your way to deliver that. And 
th- those are easy words to say, but it isn't so always so easy to implement because some of the things they are looking for. But that's what they're there for. And I think that's what we're here for. So to me, hospitality is really meeting the guests and engaging with them and, and really delivering, you know, a, a brilliant quality service. And Tyann, what about you? What does hospitality mean to you? I mean, all of the above. Can I just get away with that? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I do want to add that it's okay if hospitality does not run in your blood. It is something that can be learned. The other thing is, is I host remotely. So I don't, I don't have the, the privilege of being right there with my guests. So I have to, I've had to learn how to impart hospitality remotely. So rarely ever seen my And I think that's one of the reasons I excel with my 20 points of guest communications and why folks can feel the hospitality, even remotely, no matter where I am physically all over the world, they feel that cared for feeling. I think that's a great point. Yes. Yes. Because, you know, Bob's on site and dies on site. You know, I'm not on site. You're not on site. It's it is different, isn't it? When you're not able to, even though in our business, we do greet everyone face to face. It's not always me because I can't, you know, I'm one person. I can't do everything. Unfortunately, I've tried. I need to clone myself. Yeah, hospitality is opening the door at 10.30 at night when your guests can't get the pizza oven going with a smile on your face. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or when they call at 1 a.m. after a wedding reception and they can't find their house because they didn't follow the instructions they gave you. (laughs) And you have to wake up and walk them through it until they go there. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I'm sure everyone, we all have stories about how it's it's not quite gone so, so right. <laughs> so, Di, let's come back to you because your accommodation business, the glamping grew out of your events business, you know. So can you tell us a bit about how that happened? Because I think hospitality is a huge factor in why and how that happened. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, actually, I think you're right. I, when you call it events, we were very similar to, to Bob. Is it? We were sustainable education mm. fundamentally. And the events were day courses, wild food, foraging walks. And it got to the point where, because I'd been teaching for 30 years and running Wild Harvest for 17. So I was just doing the day courses and people were actually camping in my garden to do my courses. You know, they were asking where locally they could stay for to do, say, two day courses back to back. So being hospitable, like you say, you know, I was kind of, well, you can camp in the garden if you want. We've got a farm loo outside and and <laughs> it just started, like I'd open my blinds and there'd be people camping in the garden for my courses. So in the end, I thought, well, why don't I put some kind of structure up for them because <laughs> they're getting wet. So, you know, we put the first teepee up and then added more. And then, yeah, now we've got kind of two teepee sites, so 26 beds and the place in France as well. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It grew because I was hospitable and I couldn't say, no, I had to kind of see to their needs. You know, even though it wasn't my responsibility, you still kind of, as a host, you try to do your bit, don't you, and make sure they're all right. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. And I think and now it's sort of a win-win for you because you've got people who are coming for the courses but do you also have people that are coming to stay and not do the courses? Like, do you have two sort of streams of people coming in? Yes, we do. We've very, we've really built up a name for group glamping because we were, I was probably the first nutcase actually to say, to open my te- my my accommodation up and say, hey, groups, you know, not only, hey, groups come and hire my venue to party in, but hey, hen parties and stag do's. 
And why not do single night bookings and all the things that nobody else was doing? You know, and it wasn't a strategy. It was just a kind of, you know, spotted that these needs weren't being met. So, yeah, we absolutely had have the glamping as a standalone, strong standalone side as well. But, mm-hmm. but the groups that we suggest they take two of our nature inspired activities, so the archery, foraging, firelighting or natural crafts, we can't make them, but we kind of imply that it's part of it. So yeah well that's a that's a good way of doing it and i know i i i know when i first met you i heard of you you know and i hear that you were actively taking on hen parties you know and for those outside of the uk it's it's a bachelorette party basically it's the same kind of thing but i think the brits and i'm probably going to get slapped on my wrist here but I think the brits really excel in the hen party like it is almost a rite of passage Yes, it really is. And they can get a bit wild. So, yeah. So I remember hearing that you were actively taking them on and thinking, this girl's crazy, but it's working for you. You know, you saw a need there. Yeah, well, I was already doing the activities for hen parties at other people's glamping sites. So I just decided to, you know, add accommodation to my my offerings as well. Yeah. Yeah. And let's move over to Bob. Okay, because we know your passion is sustainability and you've grown your own business. You know, this this passion has grown through your business in Italy and you've got six apartments, isn't it, on site with you? Yes, that's right. So what do you do from a hospitality standpoint that gets people to return? Well, obviously, there's the environmental side, which I'll just part for a moment. But I guess the, the, the biggest thing for us and the thing that we really enjoy, I hope we excel at it, we, we get the feedback that we do, is that we host the weekly pizza party. So we're in Italy, we bought an old farmhouse, we, it had been empty for 35 years, we converted it into six luxury, environmentally sustainable apartments. But in the garden is an original big, big, big brick bread oven which we repaired and we use every week now to create these these pizza parties so in essence what we do is we make the dough we bring all the ingredients we lay them all out with with wine and beer on the lawn next to the pizza oven and at the beginning of each week we invite all the guests and that might be 10 guests it might be 25 guests because in the summer it gets really really busy here with lots of kids and then basically we take it in turns to roll out pizza, put on the toppings, put it in the oven and then bring it out, cut it up and share it among everybody. And then the next person who wants to have a go has a go. So most people like pizza. So it's, and it's a really easy thing to do. A few times they go wrong and there's a bit of a laugh about it, but really most people like pizza and it's just a way of bringing everybody together, getting to know the guests a little bit and importantly, the guests getting to know each other. So for many people, they when they leave a review, they say it's been one of the highlights of the week. And we've done over 300 of these pizza parties now over the years. So I don't, I don't know any tens of thousands of pizzas I've made, but it's a really nice experience and and people get to gel. And, and what we really notice is that the, the atmosphere is changed from, you know, around the pool from the day before the pizza party to the day after when everyone's chatting and the, the ice has been broken and people know each other and they're, they're swapping stories and planning to go off to a restaurant together or do something else together. And we even have guests who come back year after year 
and they coordinate their dates so they can meet again in the same week or the same period and do the same again. So it's really low, low cost for us. We, we put it down to cost of sales. It's just a very small thing. We really enjoy it because it's a great interaction with the guests and, and the guests love it. And, and of course, that, that's perfect, isn't it? And they, they go home happy and, and, and we're happy that they've had a great time. So I think for us, that's part of the hospitality is, is getting to know the guests and, and helping them have a great stay. So around the pizza party, it's always a good conversation about which best beach to go to or, you know, what's good in the mountains or the local festival, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it just breaks down barriers and gets people talking. Yeah, I think it would be fabulous. I really do. Do you have anyone who ever doesn't come to the party? Very, very, very occasionally there's somebody who who says, and I really just don't like pizza. I mean, I mean, obviously we'll cater for people with different different needs, you know, vegetarian mm. and vegan. Anybody who's allergic to to various things will create a different pizza for them. So we'll accommodate all the sort of people that we can. But occasionally, very occasionally, we will get somebody who doesn't come. But what we also get is we get some really nice things happening at the pizza party, you know, like people getting down on bended knee and proposing to their girlfriend. No. <laughs> happened twice and we get we get other things that i actually can't repeat on this on this interview uh, because it's a little bit too rude but so things do happen at pizza party yeah but we always say what what happens at pizza party stays at pizza party because sometimes they go on to the early morning so uh, yeah. yeah but what was good fun yeah, and I think, but you think for something like that, you really have to be a hospitable person and like people, mm-hmm. you know. And obviously, it goes out saying you have to be on site to be able to do something like that. But you have to be a real people person to do something like that. Yeah, yeah, you do. And, and one of the rules that we apply to ourselves at Pizza Party and throughout the week, which we've done since the beginning, is we never ever ask somebody what they do for a living. And there are two reasons we do that. One is because once you know what somebody does, whether they're a brain surgeon or a road sweeper, you you start to treat them slightly differently and you make assumptions about them. So it's good not to know what somebody does, although often, obviously, it will come up in conversation and that's fine. And then the other thing we think of is, well, they're on holiday, they're on vacation. They might not, they probably don't want to be thinking about their work. So like, why bring it up? Let's talk about other things that are really nice for them to talk about. So that's one of our little rules that we try to follow. Well, that's really great. It's just thinking that one step, you know, deeper into that experience, because what you do for a living is something that we automatically just ask people, don't we? Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, that's a really great thing to think of when you're being hospitable for someone is just sort of leave those things out and just, you know, focus on the enjoyment of the moment. Yeah. Great. Well, I am definitely coming for one one day. I definitely, it's on my list. (laughs) Now, Tyanne, okay. I don't know if this, is this an official nickname, Queen of Guest Experience? Or, yeah, is it official or is it? Yeah, it's my official title. It's your official title. (laughs) I just love that. I just absolutely love it. Queen of Guest Experience. Now, you talk about having 20 touch points between when a guest books and, and their stay. And, you know, we've touched on it a few minutes ago about how you were saying, because you're not local to your properties and how you've had to use your communication to get that hospitality across. Can you maybe tell us a bit more about that? Sure. So we live three and a half hours from one of our brands of properties and those that's the brand with large homes. 
So four to 10 bedrooms and sizes and three, three to four generation families is our target guest that comes in. And they also book, you know, one to two years in advance at times. So there's quite a bit of space that, you know, we want to stay connected with them. I mean, the worst feeling as a guest is to book a place and then they completely ghost you and you keep wondering, do I have a booking? What's going on? When am I going to get more information? Who knows? So I've very much choreographed an entire communication flow. Now that's not 20 emails. Absolutely not. It is a mix of emails, text messages, phone call, and even a greeting card that arrives in their mailbox if there's if they've booked far enough out. This way they have those touch points from us. And I also think about what stage in the journey they're at. So what type of communication that they're open to receiving. For instance, I don't like sending emails while they're at the house or right before that they come because people are focused on traveling. They're not focused on, oh, what emails have just come in on vacation, you know, meeting with the family. So at that point, definitely it switches over to text messaging now and even a phone call. And it's just amazing how, you know, our, our goal is open that communication right away, just like Bob does with his pizza parties. It's the same thing. We're just not there physically in person that as soon as they arrive, you know, we non-creepily watch the locks so we know exactly when they arrive and time it about an hour later, you know, with a phone call or even a text message if they're not answering and just saying, hey, we're so glad you're here. Let us know if you need anything. That way it brings our phone number right there at the top, not having to go search for it. And then of course, safety-wise, it's other places in the houses as well. But yeah, that's that's the main thing with the 20 points, you know, and I encourage everybody to look over what your communication flow is. It's not going to always be 20 points like mine. You definitely want to look at your booking window and your type of guest because if you've got a, you know, more of a business guest who just doesn't want to be bothered with things, your choreograph flow is going to be completely different than mine when we're talking large families coming together and they need a lot of information because they're also coordinating with the rest of the group. So making them feel welcomed, making them feel like they've got all the information at their fingertips. And my goal is also to answer questions before they even ask them. So it's quite wonderful when our our messages all automatically go out, but with that human touch, that personalization, and the guests actually reply to them and they Mm -hmm. say, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Yes. We're going to pass this on to everybody else or this flow of communication has been so wonderful. We're ready to leave you guys five stars right now. And they haven't even arrived yet. Yeah. So, yeah. So everybody who is especially remote, you know, it, it's a world of difference being staying right ahead of your guests with the communications and they love it. Yeah. And when we also think about that ante- anticipation that a guest has before their stay, you know, I had cousins this summer who went to New York and they were going to New York for two weeks in July. And in my mind, I'm thinking, are you crazy? But they were so excited. They were going from Scotland to New York for two weeks and New York, and this is going to be amazing. And they were so pumped up about it. Yes, it ended up being maybe a bit too long and a bit too hot and and that. So by the end of the holiday, they were tired, you know. But beforehand, I just know how pumped they were about that trip and how, you know. So I know that if, if, if the place that they had been staying had been feeding them you know, the information and maybe, you know, reservation ideas for restaurants and things like that. 
it would have made a world of difference for when they were there. You know, when they arrived and they're like, oh, New York City, we didn't quite expect this, you know? So <laughs> I know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I talked to some people and, and they're like, well, they can, guests can Google, they can look at TripAdvisor, they can look at what's around here. You know, they don't need me to provide that thing, what to do and where to eat. But the way I look at it is, especially as me as a guest, yeah, I can do that. But when the host, someone I've already trusted with time and money, and I've already created those touch points, when they say something is great, that's where I want to go. And that just cuts through all the noise in the area. And then you go directly to that point. And it doesn't matter that there are a hundred bazillion different ones, especially in New York City, but you just, you want to cut through to the best ones that your host recommends. And being hospitable is sharing those little bits of tips and things like that. Of course, I would highly recommend a Touch Day digital guidebook to help you with that. And then with your communications flow to point them back to that digital guidebook every single time, no matter what type of information you're giving them, just to also train them to look there for the information. And that really cuts down on any questions mm -hmm. that might come back. But yeah, yeah. Proactive yeah. communication. Great. And Di wanted to say something there too. Did you? I wanted to ask Tyann something. Actually. Oh, okay. Is that okay? Of course. Find this 20 points thing, Fab, and you know, how you've described it. I just wondered, do you have, what particular system do you use so that you don't get, you know, because obviously you've got lots of guests and they'll be at different stages. So do you use one bit of software that says, oh, we need to send a postcard to this person now in their their 20 step flow. And then at this person is at the point where we need to send them a text. Is that your software then? Yeah. So the the card is the one thing that is manual. And I do that once a month. So I, from my system, I download, I, I do a search, a filter down to, okay, which guests have books since I last sent the card and they're not arriving until X date because I need time for the card to arrive. And so I download that list, upload it to the software. The software sends it all out. I've got a templated card with design and then it drops in their name, address, everything like that. I wish I could handwrite everything, but I yeah. don't. No, but this is music to Di's ears. I can already see her going, yes, uh -huh. I'm going to be doing this. <laughs> I love a bit like you, Tyann, we've got, we've got guests that book a long way ahead. So, you know, we do have the usual communications, but there's mm -hmm. still questions. And I just think I could add more touch points and have it in different yes. ways. And I love the one of them being the card. Yeah, and the card is... The card is our favorite hiking trail in the area. So it has a map and then a little bit of information about it. And it's one of those hidden gems in the area that a lot of people don't realize. And it's free. So to me, it's like, I'm not asking them to spend any more money, but they are getting something, a little bit of an insider tip. And then all the emails and text messages, those are all completely automated. They go out from my property management software and then also touch day. Touch Day just rolled out Memo this past spring, and it's just incredible because you can schedule the messages according to arrival and departure dates. So it specifically says 14 days before arrival, do this. Three days before arrival, send this. The night before departure, send this. Those types of things. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, that's good. You're welcome. Now, wasn't that inspiring? I love how Tyann said that hospitality can be taught. It doesn't have to be running through your veins from birth. But I will add that you need to be aware of the fact that you are in the hospitality industry. And if you don't have those expertise, you need to search them out. The Direct Booking Success Summit will be back in 2023. 
And this is the one place that can help you with all of that. I'll be sharing more details when they are available. Now, would you like to be featured in an upcoming episode of the Direct Booking Success Podcast? I am looking for owners, hosts, managers of holiday, vacation, short-term rentals, whatever you want to call it, I'm looking for you. I want to know what that one thing is that you have done in your marketing or business in your quest for more direct bookings that has made a difference. That could be hosting weekly pizza parties like what Bob does or something as simple as starting an email newsletter, which is starting to bring in return bookings. I would love to hear from you. Head to the Direct Booking Success website. So directbookingsuccess.com slash one thing. That's O-N-E, one thing, to let me know about the one thing that you've done. I'll put a link to that, and I'll also put a link to the experts you have heard today, their social links and their website links on the show notes. Thanks for listening today. Thank you for listening to the Direct Booking Success Podcast. For more information about this episode and others, head to the website directbookingsuccess.com. See you next week.